Um, on a different note, did you see on Twitter the video of Kylie Jenner like riding in the, the no um, Hyperloop, the Las Vegas Hyperloop? Oh. No. Let me. Sh- I gotta show you guys. It's so fucking stupid. I just want to talk. I about already it. hate it. That that sentence yeah. had so many words <laughs> that it's, I. <laughs> I mean, this is it is. It is just like wow. This is fucking stupid. Kylie also, Jenner Vegas Hyperloop. Pornhub.com search. Right. I hope it's just her being hot, and then as soon as she gets in the Hyperloop, she just goes. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie Jenner. Bears cleavage in Las Vegas. Is it that one? No, it's not. Wait, just let me share my screen. Why are? What are you? Oh, oh, sorry. Is that what you were waiting for? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just kept clicking on it. it. It's a. T- it's not even like it's like moving it. It's not even doing <laughs> no. anything. No, you just are t- driving through a tunnel that's too small with different colored lights. Wait, that's I mean, what I that's what I needed to figure out. Are, are you driving through it? Yes. Yes. They're driving it themselves. It's, it's just a it's just a shittier it's just a tunnel it's just a with sh- less capacity than every other tunnel ever created. It's just a more dangerous tunnel that can move less people at one time. Fuck yeah. I, I, Fuck yeah, Elon. Welcome to the Hegelian Friendship Simulator, the only podcast on the internet where we try to make sense of the world one Wikipedia article at a time. Thank you all for joining us. Also joining me today, as always, is my favorite co-host, John Miklas. Hey, thank you. Uh, And, you know, uh, I am joined, as always, by the marvelous Mercurial... Alex Virgil. Hey, thank you. Thank you. And last but definitely not least, we are both joined by our um just our absolutely lovely producer Emmy Sack. <laughs> we um, are both getting better and worse at intros. Yeah. It's pretty excellent. Yeah. Um how we doing guys? What's up? What's going on? Um. Uh, things are crazy, right? Are things crazy? Yeah. Things are crazy right now. I think, but I think things are crazy in a way that we're not even really noticing that it's crazy. Um, bunch mm-hmm. of people getting shot. Bunch yeah, of people man. getting shot. A lot of cop stuff. Pat Robertson said that Derek Chauvin deserves to be under the jail and that cops need to stop, um, killing, uh, black people. Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson said that seven hundred club. Pat Robertson said that on air. He literally was like, "Ah, that Derek Chauvin deserves." Look, I'm pro. I believe policing. You know, they serve our and they they do a good job. But this, this the the George Floyd kneeling and the, all this stuff, and he like straight up articulates like how disgusted he is at police conduct in this country. I don't That's know. I wild. can't even. Yeah. How, how do you even begin to like <laughs> comprehend? Dude, you know the th- the thing that that continues to get me um, 
that like really resonate with me whenever I see all of this stuff, like mm-hmm. beyond like the the horrendous acts of incompetence, incompetence and like just sinister violence, mm-hmm. is how aggrieved police officers in the United States feel that they are. Mm-hmm. Every single time something like this happens, you know, you, you'll see people taping the like the the police headquarters of the precinct or you know department in question mm-hmm. and they've got an american flag and they've got that motherfucking thin blue line flag. Yeah. and sometimes they replace the american flag with the thin blue line flag mm-hmm. which i think it i mean the 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 imagery on it is just so stark where it's like these people the the community of police officers in this country truly do have convinced themselves that they are outside of society, that they are not members of society, Mm -hmm. that they are like a different class and that, and that the thin blue line flag is so, is so telling in its own right, because it's this idea that if without them, there's just this flood of monsters Mm -hmm. that would take over the country. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's really right there in front of us yep. the whole time. I mean, that's the worst part is that it's just so obvious. Mm-hmm. It's so apparent how the institution itself is so like broken and corrupted, and probably always has been, but clearly has been kind of like accelerated. There's like a, a certain level of like I don't know, mental illness. Mm-hmm. I really do think that most cops in this country have like actual mental illness. Yeah, I think um, a larger percentage than they would ever report. Yeah. For sure. Like, truly. I mean, yeah, it's it's like uh, the the kind of, like, mode you get into, like, that guy, did you, the sergeant guy who, like, ran that black guy out of the neighborhood. Yeah, totally. It's that, that like, you know, hazing turn to 11 mentality of, like, I, I'm bigger and own you. Well, I mean, it's also indicative of a political culture that is inert, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is such a this is like such a callback to Adam Curtis and his like fundamental hypothesis. But I think the thing that you really start to realize is that our political machine, like the political institutions in this country, have no power, none. Mm-hmm. And and they're incapable of getting anything done, like a, like actually incapable of it, and and they're kind of too embarrassed to admit it, mm-hmm. so they constantly let things play out in like the culture war rather mm-hmm. than like because the scary thing is it's not that they don't want to get anything done, it's that they actually are incapable of doing it, mm-hmm. um, and so. I mean, we are literally, quite literally, I think, going to continue to come up against like like this problem, like police brutality, gun violence. Um, I mean, those are the two that are like most apparent because they're so shocking every right. time they happen. Right. They're just so like visceral, and every time we're like, how how can we do this? How can we keep letting it happen? But here's the deal: if if our polit- politicians were incapable of getting anything done after Sandy Hook. There's no, there's no bottom. Mm. There's no, there's no turning point. 
mm-hmm. if they weren't capable of doing anything after Las Vegas, there's no turning point. And mm-hmm. and so, I mean, I think what we're faced with is just like revolutionary change. Yeah. I don't know how it comes about. I don't know what that will look like in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, the this iteration of the United States, like yeah. 50 states... 100 senators, electoral college, the Supreme Court, nothing's going to change. Nothing's Mm going to happen. We can all go protest and we can yell and we probably should, especially for people who like are are viscerally, personally affected because I think that there's a catharsis to it. Mm-hmm. And however you want to protest, do it. Whether you want to go yell on the streets, whether you want to go break bind- windows and burn down buildings, I don't give a fuck. Go do it. It doesn't, like, there's 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 nothing wrong with that, with that kind of, like, outlet. Um, well, what's but... interesting, the way I see that is, like, those are small catharses that hold back the big one. If no one was protesting and rioting, I think, like, the giant, the big, like, boom reckoning would happen more quickly Mm -hmm. yeah they're like 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 pressure outlets yeah yeah and then and this is a country where no one no one wants no one wants to do the big thing i mean not no one i know a lot not no one not no one of course but like the big thing's scary yeah even but too much to lose oh my this is good this is a a pretty good uh for shit well let's save some for the tank for 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 my subject let's go to old business right yeah, old business. I don't think I had any. No, <laughs> I've got some old business. Okay, I have some old okay. business. All right. It's time to talk about the. It's time to talk again, once again, about the Northern Independence Party. <laughs> Nips. Um, round two. I just wanted to. I just wanted to circle back on the Northern Independence Party, the Nips, mm-hmm. um, and circle back and let Nips. everybody know. All of our listeners know, uh, I hope you guys are excited to hear, that they've now put out their manifesto. Oh! And it is a, it is a banger. Dropped. I would recommend everyone go read them. Yeah, it's about, I think it's like 8,000 word manifesto. Okay. Uh, and I'm going to read all of it on, on air. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I wanted to... I wanted to read just a little bit, like just a couple of of passages, because I thought it was interesting. Um, So this is from Evie McGovern, who's one of the founding members. And she said, um, what affects the North must be decided by the people of the North, Hmm. not politicians who either don't know or don't care about us. Hmm. They don't understand our needs and the problems we face every day. They are unwilling to make the fundamental changes we need to put right the north-south divide we will stand up for the north we will rebuild our left behind towns and communities devastated by decades of neglect by successive governments we will ensure that the wealth and resources of the north are used to benefit the north rather than being drained away to fuel the ever-growing dominance of london the northern independence party will finally replace our failed political establishment with people who will work tirelessly to build a free and fair north for all together our future in the north begins on may 6th um, so that's like the foreword and then the local policies is so interesting. I'm not obviously not going to read all of it, but like this, I thought was so interesting for e- economic, um, mm. like principles, uh, plural ownership of the economy. So promoting cooperatives, 
municipal ownership, locally owned small and medium-sized enterprises, and insourcing, where councils bring services in-house instead of outsourcing them. Um, fair employment and just labor markets, progressive procurement of goods and services, socially productive use of land and property by using community land trusts or public commons partnerships to keep public land available for public use, um, universal basic income, uh, safe and affordable social housing, um, housing as a human right, food as a human right. Fuck yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it's just like, I, it, it's so cool. It's such a, it's such an, an intense, an intensely progressive and creative and broad vision of the future. Mm-hmm. And the thing I love about it is this idea of like, we will do things that will benefit our community. And right. we want the, the, the community to be small enough that we are con- capable of controlling it. The, the age of like centralized government is mm-hmm. over, I think. I mean, I just think that that is a, a it's, it's 20th century shit. It's 20th yeah. century kitty yeah. shit. Yeah. That like bureaucracy. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is, this is, this is a movement out of the ashes of the British empire. I mean, think yeah. about the, like the, the mental impact of something like the British empire coming to an end. Mm-hmm. There's a time in the 20th century when they, you know, literally said that the sun never set on the British Empire. And this is now people who are like, well, that didn't benefit me. Who mm-hmm. was that for? What is empire building for, ultimately? Especially in a progressive age when, like, citizens have the responsibility to not take advantage of colonialism. Mm-hmm. We are past that. We are no longer capable of sitting back and pretending like we don't know where the benefits of the resources and the services for cheap that we get are from. Yeah. Especially in the West. I mean, that's yeah. over. It's it's done with. Mm-hmm. And so the only way it, it, when that when you when you fit, factor that in that that era is over, the only way forward to build a responsible and good community for all is to start local to start small yeah it's like based on the like the principle of self-sufficiency but uh from like the understanding that no one person can do it alone like it's like the manageable small scale self-sufficiency yeah so good so good no the nips man nips nips. i support you nips all right, Verge. I think We've, you have. I think you have something. Something new this week, right? Oh yeah. What? Guess what time it is. It is. What time is it? I don't know. T- time for surprise badass of the week. <laughs> Which <laughs> bum, 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 might be a one and done. <laughs> yeah, nice. It might be a one and done just because um, I picked this category based on the specific person slash article. Um, I love it. It's just an excuse to talk about Mary Ann Brown Patton. Hell yeah. Or Mary Patton, who was the first female commander of an American merchant vessel. Hell yeah. Hell yes. You can already see the uh, Emily Blunt poster. Mary yeah. Patton. 
Captain Mary Patton. Captain Mary Patton. So she was the wife. Uh, she was born in 1837, died in 1861. Okay. okay. So, you know, around those times, uh, gold rush times. She was the wife of Joshua Patton, captain of the merchant clipper ship Neptune's Car. The ship was bound around Cape Horn from New York towards San Francisco when okay. Joshua Patton collapsed from fatigue in 1856. His wife little, took little bitch. Yeah, little fucking bitch. His wife took command for 56 days, faced down a mutiny, and successfully managed to navigate the clipper ship into San Francisco. Oh, by the way, she was 19 and pregnant with her first child through all of it. Hell yes. That Mary is Patton. Awesome. Yeah. Um, sorry, Mary Patton starring Zendaya. Oh, I could see that too. That would be, be great. Really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, basically, she, uh, you know, she married a young captain when she was 16 as one. Is, as one was, yeah, yeah, did. As one did. Um, and in 1855, her husband was offered the command of, a, of the ship Neptune's car. Patton was hesitant to leave his wife for so long, so early in their marriage, smart. Um, and so the ship's owner granted permission for her to accompany him. I'm sure not a lot of people on the boats were stoked about that because they're a superstitious bunch. Um, so they were, the ship departed on, in 1856, July 1st from New York. Okay. With two other ships, the Intrepid and Romance of the Seas, um, <laughs> nice. which which made we need to talk about boat names at some point too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's some bad ones. They made this made speed a greater priority than usual, as it was common practice to place bets on which vessel would arrive first. Cool. Um, when Neptune's car was at the foot of Cape Horn, Joshua developed tuberculosis and lapsed into a coma. Now, under usual circumstances, the first mate would take command, but earlier in the voyage, Captain Patton had caught the first mate sleeping on watch um, because the mate had likely placed bets on one of the Neptune's car's other uh, competitors. I mean, he bet against his own ship, you know? Yeah, Yeah, respect the hustle. Mind Um, you, Pete Rose never did that, and he got kicked out of the MLB forever. So Pete Rose bet on his own ship and he still yeah. isn't allowed in the Hall of Fame. So exactly. That's another story. That's another um, story. But this is this is worse. But then um uh oh, and the second mate was illiterate and unable to navigate, which left Mary Patton <laughs> the most qualified person on board. The former first uh, mate wrote Patton a letter warning her of the challenges, imploring her to reinstate him, but she replied that if her husband hadn't trusted him as a mate she couldn't trust him as a captain. He then attempted to incite a mutiny by trying to convince the crew that they would be better off uh, going in, pulling into port at Valparaiso Paraiso, mm-hmm. um, rather than continuing on to San Francisco. But Patton knew that putting into port in South America would mean a loss of crew and quite possibly cargo. So she, in the end, appealed to the crew, won unanimous support, uh, didn't change her clothes for 50 days. And, and she was uh, pregnant? That can't she was be pregnant. Good. She dedicated her free time to studying medicine and caring for her husband, who had been struck blind by the time they passed Valparaiso. <laughs> <laughs> I feel this guy's like, played by like Ken Marino or something. You know? Yeah, <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like this movie, that would be like the comedic relief. Like you play... Yeah, yeah. 
she's got like a like a straight dramatic role, but the the husband is just like I'm blind, <laughs> just like just such a whimpering. Uh, help me, like, wife. Just a pussy. Just such a pussy. Yeah. How was your day today? It's like, <laughs> oh, totally fine. Like, right after the scene where she just, like, fought some dude, you know? I can't get over the, the 50 days not changing clothes. I just think that can't be bad. It can't be good for the baby. Like, that's just that just not a good... baby. Um, but what can you do? Your pH levels just got to change pretty dramatically. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember um, one of my high school teachers saying someone said the word like i'm multitasking and she goes when you're a single mother with your baby in one arm dinner cooking in the other and like grading papers then you could talk to me about multitasking and i was like this is the this is the lady she's a multi yeah Patton, she's a multitasker right yeah absolutely yeah. she rocks is there any more about about her that's uh, worth oh when neptune's car arrived at the harbor in san francisco mary Patton rejected an offer to wait for a pilot to navigate the clipper ship into port and instead took the helm herself. Despite all of Neptune's car's tribulations, the clipper ship still arrived in San Francisco. Second, beating the intrepid. The ship's insurers, recognizing that she had saved them thousands of dollars, rewarded her with $1,000 in 1857. In a letter responding to the gift, she said that she performed... Only the plain duty of a wife. All right. She's got a bit of a... There's some arrogance here. All right. <laughs> the first red flag is guiding the ship in yourself. You don't it's think like... it's battle-hardening? This is after she's fucking... She's pregnant. Her no, husband's but... a little fucking useless piece of shit. <laughs> she had to fight some illiterate men. She had to fight a boatload of illiterate men. How has Hollywood not made this movie yet? I honestly, it is crazy. I do think that it would be like pretty heavy comedy though, too, right? Like it would yeah. be badass and like like clearly like a like an action adventure. But there's got to be like it would be a PG, a light hearted PG. Totally. I think I think Paul Rudd would be the original oh, ship captain. Yeah, Paul Rudd would be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then maybe like Jack Black is the first mate. <laughs> Jack. I love it. This is good stuff. Yeah, I dig it. So that's our unexpected bet. Surprise Surprise badass of the week. week. Yeah, Mary Patton. Working title. Working title. Working. Definitely a working title. Yeah. She did die when she was twenty-three. Short, short, but wondrous life. Ooh. She died at that one really as well. (laughs) No. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God! Can you imagine being alive at that time? Yeah. Just everybody you know dies of tuberculosis. It's like, oh, you did some amazing shit? Hell yeah, you're going to die at 24 from tuberculosis. Oh my god. Yeah. Hey, well, good for her. Mary Patton. Going out with a bang, not a whimper. That's right. All right. Um, Okay, topic of the week uh, is something that we have discussed before on the show. Okay. I think you actually have like a pretty solid knowledge base. But, Eurovision round two. Uh, I I wanted to go somewhere else, maybe in the same time period, and I just kept getting like sucked back in the like the gravity of this subject. Um, okay. So today I want to talk about John Brown. Oh fuck yeah! I actually yeah. I don't know as much as I'd like to know about John. Okay, cool, great. Yeah. Um, so so for our listeners, um. 
who maybe didn't take a U.S. history course in mm-hmm. like in high school or or don't are not as familiar. And to be honest, I when I was doing when I was starting to read stories, I would, like didn't I didn't know as much as I thought. I I knew like bits and pieces. I think that's probably most of our listeners will know bits and pieces. But mm-hmm. John Brown was a radical abolitionist. Yeah, um, who radical. Lived, like ex- yeah, he lived from. Um, 1800 to 1859. Okay. Uh, he was famous for his belief during that time period that the only way to end slavery, which he abhorred, <laughs> thought it was the mm-hmm. gravest, most terrible thing that has ever existed on earth, was through extreme violence. Um, he was convinced of it. And so yeah. um, he was a man of God. Um, and he said uh he believed that among his earthly missions was to free the american slave uh and he said that he was an instrument of god to make it happen Mm -hmm. uh and he first kind of got a name for himself because he was a part of the period of the united states history that's called bleeding kansas Mm -hmm. um which is when kansas was accepted into the united states as a state no longer a territory and the the settlers of Kansas had to decide whether they were going to be a slave state or a free state. Mm -hmm. Um, And John Brown went there because there was a full on civil war that happened only in Kansas. uh, And he was kind of on the cutting edge of the abolitionist side fighting for the bleeding edge. Exactly. Fighting for the free state. Um, And then finally the, the kind of moment and period that I want to kind of dive even deeper in is the way that John Brown would meet his end, mm. um, which is the raid on Harper's Ferry. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the raid on Har- Harper's Ferry um, was a, um, a precursor to the Civil War in many, many ways. Um, it was an effort by abolitionist John Brown from October 16th to 18th, 1859, so one year before the Civil War started, to in- initiate a slave revolt in the southern states by taking over the U.S. arsenal at Harpers Ferry, Virginia, now West Virginia. Mm. Um, it has been called the dress rehearsal or tragic prelude to the Civil War. So basically, um, his idea was that he was going to take 22 men, mm-hmm. a mixture of, of white and black men, to Harpers Ferry, Virginia, overtake it um and that uh i guess i guess in his head it would be like such a victorious like storming and overtaking of this place that like all of the neighboring counties would hear about it and the slaves would basically oh well also as an arsenal so they they would get weapons and they would arm the slaves and they would slowly just like the first domino exactly um, the the actual raid itself was a bit of a disaster. Yeah. It did not go well. Um, but, I mean, historians are very mixed on whether Brown, John Brown thought that it was going to go well. Um, and I guess, I, I don't know, even know if I had... One of the reasons that we talked about him on the show, and one mm. of the reasons that he is such an interesting figure... Um, is that John Brown is a white man. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's a white man from Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And I think that the thing that is so intriguing about him mm-hmm. is that he... He, especially to harken back to our last episode, we talked about absolutists and we talked about mm-hmm. like realists or opportunists. Mm-hmm. He is like the epitome of an absolutist who hit the nail on the head of being correct about something. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right? Like, and it so rarely happens. And mm-hmm. and I think the thing, and I this, I want to kind of get through the history so that we can really start talking about him his legacy and like, I don't know. It's just a very interesting subject, but Mm -hmm. he is right. I mean, I want to get out there right now. It's like the, the, the institution of slavery deserved every amount of terrorist violence available to end it. There is a, there was a, a, a responsibility of the people of the United States to end slavery on any among any means necessary. Mm-hmm. And so this is like the complicated part of it all because he is theoretically a, a terrorist. Right. But he is a righteous one. And yeah. and I and a purely righteous one. In my in my head I see I I mean like this is, I feel like, a phrase that has been said before, and I believe it firmly. Is like John Brown did nothing wrong, right? Um, so, so to get back to history, and then we'll come back to this. Um, he got, they got it, Harper's Ferry is really interesting. It sits at the like at the peninsula of where two rivers meet. Mm-hmm. So they didn't, they planned it very poorly. I mean, they mm. they boxed themselves in, and the only way to get away from Harper's Ferry was across two bridges. Um, so they were fucked from the start. I mean, they yeah. were, it really was a suicide mission. Um, mm-hmm. so they got caught. Um, a lot of them died. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think seven of them were taken, uh, were captured and imprisoned mm-hmm. and put on trial. Um, and the trial did not take very long. Uh, and every single one of them was sentenced, uh, to be executed and mm-hmm. was hung. Um, but... This is the really intriguing part. Is it before the raid on Harper's Ferry and before this trial, everybody, Frederick Douglass, I mean, the most radical abolitionists Mm -hmm. thought John Brown was an absolute crazy person. Mm -hmm. Just was like the the, the, uh, ludicrous, like, this is a suicide mission. This is not going to work. You're an idiot. Yeah. It was a suicide mission. It did not work. But... He had basically like two weeks of sitting on the stand and being asked to like, you know, like um, explain himself. Yeah, say and everything he, he wants. And he became a, a, a hero of the North. They People truly say that this raid is the turning point where the institution of slavery, there was no way it was going to last. There, like he was the reason so that the Civil War it. happened. So he, he did it. Succeeded. He did it. He absolutely did it. I mean without question unquestionably did it and i want to read his last speech has its own wikipedia this is the coolest part about john brown is that there are 50 articles related to like his life and the things he did so john brown's last speech has its own wikipedia article Mm -hmm. um and the entire text of it is on here and i just want to read one paragraph um he says i have another objection and that is 
It is unjust that I should suffer such a penalty. Had I interfered in the manner which I admit, and which I admit has been fairly proved, for I admire the truthfulness and candor of the greater portion of the witnesses who have testified in this case, had I so interfered on behalf of the rich, the powerful, the intelligent, the so-called great, or in behalf of any of their friends, either father, mother, brother, sister, wife, or children, or any of that class, and suffered and sacrificed what I have in this interference, it would have been all right. And every man in this court would have deemed it an act worthy of reward rather than punishment. I mean, this guy, he said this in 1859, and, and it strikes me as still the fundamental core issue that the United States of America and the American empire mm-hmm. continues to grapple with, mm-hmm. which is, which is John Brown did nothing wrong. John Brown saved America. Mm-hmm. And yet the people who were in power, who tried John Brown are the same people who have power today. That is the really complicated and confusing and, and messed up part of this all is that there should be schools and streets and cities named after John Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he did for the United States, what he was capable of ending, like the biggest black mark on the soul of the nation, he should be like one of the founding fathers. And yet... He, he, so this is so interesting. In Harper's Ferry, there's no monument to John Brown. There is a, a, a fort named after him. It's called John Brown's Fort, but it has, it's not manned. Harper's Ferry, like the whole area where the raid happened, is now yeah. a national monument. Okay. And there's something called John Brown's Fort, but there's no, there's, there's no attendant, there's no tours, there's nothing about him. The only monument in Harper's Ferry is for this guy. Um, Hayward Shepard and Hayward Shepard's a really interesting character Hayward Shepard was the first casualty at Harper's Ferry mm. he was a freed man okay. he's a, he a black man okay. and when the raiders when John Brown's raiders came to the arsenal they told him to stop and to freeze and, and they told him to join their side and he refused and he started to walk away and they shot him in the back mm. and and so this monument uh, to Hayward Shepard was erected in 1930 by the Daughters of the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. And it was a monument to the idea that white and black people lived in the South um, harmoniously before <sighs> the Civil War. Yeah. Bullshit. I mean, it's, it's a monument to the Lost Cause mythology, which yeah. is that, that blacks wanted... They never didn't want to be liberated. They wanted to be, they wanted to be slaves. Um, and so, another thing that I want to bring up, and then we'll kind of, I kind of want to like hear what you think, and we'll yeah. talk a little bit more. Something that really, really like has always stuck with me from the twenty twenty Democratic primary, uh-huh. and my, like the turning point where I was like, okay, there's nobody. The only person in this entire race that is worth a damn at all is Bernie. Right. Was a quote um, from Pete Buttigieg hmm. where he said um, he wouldn't go so so far as to, 
uh, sorry, I'm going to pull it up. Um, he, Pete Buttigieg is not com- comfortable calling John Brown a progressive. Added, adding, quote, he was kind of a brutal guy. Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. This is, but this is, so, okay, this is, this is the core, this, this is the same core issue that we were talking about. The people who tried John Brown are still the people in power. It's that moderates, moderates are convinced that there, there's gotta be some sort of like middle ground. Right. That, that, that rather than being righteous, rather than believing in something, Mm -hmm. you just you just find you you split the difference mm-hmm. and that is best because to them everything is not this is not fundamentally wrong right like the status quo is something to be maintained right which is and, the issue and 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 the problem is that in most discussions most topics mm-hmm. that's that there's maybe more there's like more breathing room right like mm-hmm. like welfare reform or 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 um, I don't know, like um, medical access, abortion rights, but but even all of this stuff is still the problem with saying John Brown was kind of a brutal guy. Mm-hmm. Is that you're talking about slavery? Yeah, you're talking about one of the most most reprehensible, immoral mm-hmm. evils that has existed in the last, you know, like. And 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 so it it is a really easy thing to unpack where you start to be like, well, wait a second, like, mm-hmm. what are we doing here? And and let's go back to John Brown's own words where he's like, if I did this to protect power, to protect wealth, to protect intelligence, to protect the people that you think are worthy of being protected, then you wouldn't bat an eye. I mean, Pete Buttigieg is the same guy that went to Harvard and after he joined the military and went to Afghanistan. Like, there is so much wrong with all of that. Yeah. And there is so... And and I don't know what to make of it besides to say that, like, anybody that goes to an Ivy League school, joins the military, and then runs to be president after being uh, the mayor of a 100,000-person city, like, is probably a bad guy. Like, and that, and right. that he is just one of many in the political ecosystem that is just like awful i mean i don't it's just like it's one of i think it's i think a more fair way and the thing is i don't want to take away from your fervor because the energy is absolutely right yeah the word i would use is just that like they don't get they don't get it they don't actually get it yeah i mean john brown got it right so much so like to the point where he's like literally my life does not matter because I already know that if my life ends before I want it to, it's in in the interest of being correct in a way that is impactful. The thing that frustrates me, and I guess it's like a little thing, like this is like, this is not the the worry of gods and saints. It's like mm-hmm. the worry of common man. And so like, mm-hmm. that he hasn't ever gotten his due. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I this is a crazy, the only street named after John Brown in the entire world is in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, mm-hmm. I, I, and and so it's like, at the end of the day, we've already, we've talked for ten minutes about this, and we yeah. already can deduce that like he changed the course of history. Mm-hmm. He completely changed the course of human history. Yeah. I mean, think about that. Think about how how seminally important that moment was 
what happens if it's not if it doesn't happen and and like the southern states continue to reinforce and get a little bit stronger and then maybe the civil war never happens because there's never that fervor to to make it happen and slavery just still exists exactly you know like like, think about how much think about how much the confederate ideas still already exist right now in in their like you know mutated evolved forms and imagine if that first domino never fell right well you know it's interesting i think one of the things that set off this path of me researching was that sydney asked me um she had she sometimes works out in like very rural parts of san diego Mm -hmm. she saw a confederate flag and she asked Mm -hmm. me she was like did you did you was that a thing you saw like growing up and i had to tell her like i was 10 years old yeah. When the Confederate flag came off the state of Georgia. <laughs> you I in my head I think of an America where John Brown is a hero. Yeah. But at the same time that's not like inevitable. That's well that's the one thing that um it's like the combination of like it's like if you're if you really if you know you're coming from the right place the way like John Brown knew he was. Yeah. Like time, time will fucking tell on that one, right? I mean, he has an Ethan Hawke movie, you know, or a TV yeah. show. Like he does. I haven't seen it. I should watch it. And I think Ethan Hawke is the perfect guy to play. That's a perfect casting, um, for me. Where it's like Ethan Hawke's an actor where time's gonna fucking tell on him, and fifty years from now, people are gonna be like, "Holy shit, we were fucking sleeping on Ethan fucking Hawke." <laughs> And yeah, I think I mean, that's Ethan, the nice thing about the internet and Wikipedia, right? Like Ethan Hawke really is the John Brown of actors. I would agree with that. I, I, I think I, I absolutely I would agree with think that. so. But you know, I think um, another thing that is interesting. It got brought up a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. It, I think that we've kind and we've talked about this on a couple of past episodes. This idea mm-hmm. that we're living in like post history, right? right? And I think that this isn't. This isn't, it's not true, Mm -hmm. but there's a concerted effort to make it true. Mm -hmm. And I mean, especially, I mean, especially from, let's say, Reagan through Obama, Mm -hmm. um, you know, your, your personal convictions on all of those presidents through that time aside, um, all of those presidents represented like this kind of like glitzy sanitized version of the past and like Mm -hmm. after the cold war it was like well we don't ever we're just fine and we can just pretend like we don't like violence is something that it doesn't exist here anymore we're Mm -hmm. past that we're Mm post-racial we're you know is this is like the neoliberal dream is like this world and that, I shouldn't even say neoliberal. This is like the good liberal dream. It is. Which is that we live in this world where we're just like, all this, all that violence, mm, not for me, dog. No. It's, no, no, we're, no. we're too good for that. And, we and you can, passed it. And you can say like, oh, you got Che Guevara on your shirt. Did you know he was a murderer? And then meanwhile, you, you're forgetting that we're like butchering people in Baghdad and Kabul. Yeah. And like, and like doing unspeakable horrors both literally with bullets but mm-hmm. also with banks like we're, yeah. we're just committing the most horrible atroc- atrocities constantly and just smiling just these you know these like 
handsome men in suits smiling and making nice speeches about like the the American Union is strong. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's. Did, did no, you see the lights in I the f- tunnel, dude? Yeah, did you did see you those see lights, lights in the tunnel? Yeah, exactly. We're, so yeah, we're fucking the future, baby. I feel like I'm not sure. I I feel like this is a great benchmark for like where we where we have left to go is mm-hmm. to celebrate someone like John Brown. John Brown. Talk about the realist motherfucking guy. Yeah. Talk about a guy who was not living in a simulation. Right. Who was just like, yo, this is what matters. And this is what I'm willing to put on the line for what matters because anything else is nothing. None of the pleasures, right? And this comes back to so many things we talked about, like Omalas and all that. Yeah. Where it's just like, like, none of the other pleasures matter if we're allowing this to continue. Right. So he's just like, fuck it. I'm, I'm gonna fucking do something. Yeah. And 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 to, there's there's a through line through this all, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because we are getting into a point where culturally we're close to there. I mean, think like that. Um, what's the the, the Judas and the Black Messiah? Mm-hmm. You know, like I think Fred Hampton is another great yeah. example of like a real motherfucker, real guy. Like, like it just it, like understood it, it, was living it. Who and who got got because he got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the question is like, are those examples of our history, or are they, or do we have to extinguish this other line of history entirely before we celebrate those? Like, is there a world? Is there a world where the hero, our heroes, are John Brown and Fred Hampton mm-hmm. and Cesar Chavez and like all you know, and and they're not. George Washington and like can can you only have one or the other? Can you well, celebrate th- it all? Like it's very confusing. I think it's the thing. It's that thing where it's like, you know, to in- invoke God, but like God knows, God knows yeah. who the heroes were. Yeah, good point. And John Brown knew. God knew. And that's why he didn't care if anyone else did. You know yeah. what I mean? It's that no, weird I mean, thing. It's, it's like Socrates it's when he's dying. When he's literally dying, he's like, "Yo, like I've." I've done my part on this earth. I know what I know. Like, uh, you know, and there's like, there is a condescension to this whole, like, you guys are fucking up right now. So like, kill me, literally kill me because I don't care because I know where I'm at and who I am and what I gave to the earth in my time. And God knows. So you can literally hurt me. You can kill me. But like, my soul won't be hurt or killed, so I don't give a fuck. And I think that's where John Brown was based on those quotes. And I think yeah. that's that's the thing with, like, time's going to fucking tell. You know what I mean? Yeah, but the, I guess the, the question is, is it, like, is it cooler? I, I, not cool. Cool is the wrong word. But mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes for those people, it is only cool. Like, it is only respect. It is only dignity. Mm-hmm. It, there's no power and is are we are we are we destined to live in a world and have a world exist forever where those with the power deserve it the least those yeah. with with the 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 levers of 
the nation are the worst among us. I think we're reaching paradox, right? I think we're reaching that, this conversation's paradox, which is that to be a true hero, you need to be willing to give everything up for absolutely no credit without any vanity involved, right? Yep. Which, you know, paradox. (laughs) So like... Dude, what what does suck though is yeah, like I would say 90 85 90% of the people that are like throughout history like popular. Like there's people whose names we know. People remember Archimedes. No one gives a fuck about Archimedes. You right. know what I mean? But like in the popular minds, like 85 90% of the people probably not people we should be. Yeah. And John Brown gets a fucking, like, super premium, like, only Showtime TV show that, like, you know, 10 people get to watch because no one's willing to shell out for the fucking, you know. Yep. But, um, but, but the story continues. The message continues. And that's what blah, blah, blah. I'm going to leave this section on, on one more piece of his, his last speech because it, okay. it, just, it just fucking goes. Please, just, yeah. He's the fucking I, man. All right. He says, um, this court acknowledges, as I suppose, the validity of the law of God. I see a book kissed here, which I suppose to be the Bible, or at least the New Testament. That teaches me that all things whatsoever I would, that men should do to me, I should do even so to them. Mm-hmm. It teaches me further to remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. I endeavored to act up to that instruction. I say, I am yet too young to understand that God is any respecter of persons. Hmm. I believe that to have interfered, as I have done, as I have always freely admitted, I have done in behalf of his despised poor, was not wrong, but right. Hmm. Now, if it is deemed necessary that I should forfeit my life for the furtherance of the ends of justice and mingle my blood further with the blood of my children and with the blood of millions in the slave country, in this slave country, whose rights are disregarded by wicked, cruel, and unjust enactments, I submit. So let it be done. Fucking Socrates 2.0, bro. Fuck you, Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg. Yo, like, that that was the quote that, was the quote that like, really turned me off of him that you just, you said earlier. Uh, there's no coming back from it. I don't know. You no can't, he, he, can, he can try and explain his way out of it for the rest of of that's his like political career, and I'm never gonna respect it. That's like if if the Inglorious Bastards, the way that movie went, was like real, and they literally ended the high, like you know the yeah, third, yeah. right the fury, yeah. and and people were like, oh, but just a little the, too intense. The scalping was that really necessary? But the violence, the violence, you know, yeah. yeah, that shit. It's like yo, literal Nazis, literal slave owners, yeah. John Brown. Boom. John Brown did nothing wrong. Ah. Hell yeah. Amazing. Now now let's get into a topic about the right now, the country, <laughs> the, the world that John Brown allowed for us. Okay, let's hear it. Let's hear it. What are we talking about today, Virch? John, have you ever heard of NFTs? <laughs> God damn it. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, no, Virg, please explain to me what NFTs are, if you can um, even explain. NFT them. stands for not a fucking thing, <laughs> <laughs> which is potentially also the single most accurate description for it. Okay. 
I think I think most of our listeners have have heard of NFTs at some point now. At this point, have heard of it. They don't know what it means. Has something to do with Bitcoin. Has something to do with buying and selling, right? Yeah. And based on everything I had heard up until this point, mm-hmm. I can't believe it exists. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it seems ridiculous. But then, you know, it does seem like a inevitability based on the trajectory of how tech and shit was already going anyway. Right. And so NFT, okay, sorry, for people who haven't heard of NFTs, they're non-fungible tokens. Yes. Um, they're basically some, like, attempt at making digital property uh, authentic, exclusive, and unique and thus applying value to them so that they can be bought and sold and collected, right? right? Yes. Um, so, all right, let's just go to the fucking page, I guess. <laughs> I already hate it. The thing is, uh, I just don't know how you can, like, the more you know about NFTs, this is that John Brown shit where it's like... This is wrong. It's this is wrong. wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. It de- does not deserve to exist. Um, okay. I mean, I basically explained what it is, but I'll read the first bit so that whatever, um, at least they can't blame me if, if I explained it wrong. Non-fungible token is a unit of data stored on a digital ledger called the blockchain, right? That's that hot new tech, not new. Got it. Yes. Yeah. Cryptocurrency. Yeah. Dogecoin that certifies a digital asset to be unique and therefore not interchangeable. NFTs can be used to represent items such as photos, videos, audios, and other type of digital file. Access to any copy of the original file, however, is not restricted to the buyer of the NFT. While copies of these digital items are available for anyone to obtain, NFTs are tracked on blockchains to provide the owner with a proof of ownership that is separate from copyright. So you're essentially just buying the certificate that comes with the thing yeah it it's um you're not I, even buying a thing you're buying the certificate it's like having a um i mean it's not but essentially i think the equivalency is like having a pokemon card like you have one of a thousand that was printed and so it's it's valuable because you own it but like you could take a picture of it you could send it to someone right that's the part that fucks with me because if that was the case i in my mind have no problem with it Mm -hmm. but the thing is it's not even the pokemon card it's the receipt that says this picture of the pokemon card is the Pokemon is card. Is the Pokemon card. Yes. But it's not even the receipt that says the picture of the Pokemon card is the Pokemon card. It's saying this is the picture of the Pokemon card. And everything else is just a picture of the picture right. of right. the Pokemon card. It's, uh, yeah, no, I mean, incredibly unsettling. So you're literally just buying a bunch of code that just says it's you that owns it. When I hear people trying to explain it that are positive about it, they can't. Um, there's no way to. How can? Yeah, you? I mean, they, yeah. I feel like they're like, well, it makes sense. Like we do this with Pokemon, with baseball cards. Why can't we do this on the internet? But 
the thing is, we don't have to do this. That's the thing that gets me, where it's right. like, it doesn't have to be this way. There's no reason. Mm-hmm. There's nothing like, there's nothing at the core that says NFTs have to exist. Right. Not only I, that, objectively. Yeah. Objectively, in the real world, they would be better to not exist because of the compu- uh, the processing power required for these. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're they're like, you know, yeah. the the Nyan cat, like the fucking Pop Tart cat that's got rainbows shooting out its ass. That mm-hmm. GIF like sold for some crazy amount of millions of dollars or some shit. And the GPU, like the processing power it took to process that nft but i don't even again i don't even know what that means is equivalent to one eu residence electricity output for two months <laughs> for that one little fucking cat thing that we all saw somehow when it now becomes an nft it takes two months of eu electricity it, it to seems... authenticate it it seems insanely irresponsible. I mean, mm-hmm. it just just seems like so. So the reason I wasn't the reason it's worth bringing up for me, the because, uh, it, it's because it it does seem like the first time, live like real life artists right now might actually be able to get paid appropriately for their artwork. Right. So, so there's like uses, digital art. Um, was one of the first. But uh, here's the thing. I mean, uh, similarly to I don't know, we we knew people when we were in college mm-hmm. who had who were very talented in the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. But the format, like old school, like making movies, like mm-hmm. you couldn't make Point Break anymore if you wanted to. Right. We had a lot of friends that I think could have written the next Point Break if they right. lived in the 90s. Mm-hmm. But instead, the the way, like the forms of creation have changed. Mm-hmm. So like the the digital artists, like who, who are digital art? What does that even mean? You know what I mean? It's like, who's to say what art is anymore? Mm-hmm. Especially like art, also art. The commodification of art has always been a bad thing. Right. That's not to say that artists shouldn't like get to be artists. It's mm-hmm. to say that like the idea of of putting art in the capitalist yeah like mold is disgusting. I mean, exactly. it's it's, it's it ruins art. It ruins yeah. art. I mean, there's obviously got to be a solution mm-hmm. to that beyond just like making letting artists starve mm-hmm. but the solution should be community and right like state-based rather than like all right well if you make a really great neon cat you could get paid millions of dollars on this digital file that's gonna burn the earth like yeah i don't i mean for and and, and it's and and then everyone can see it anyway um there was one like dilbert one uh hold on okay i feel like we're just like we're doing a lot of um we're we're taking a lot of different wayward routes so we don't give everybody health care and housing you know it's like yeah I mean, <laughs> basically okay here's 
there's a new Dilbert NFT comic where uh, so Dogbert goes, I just bought some collectible digital art on the internet for $600. Dilbert says, there is literally no good reason to own any collectible digital art. And then Dogbert says, and I just sold it for 120000 And then Dilbert says, can you let me be right for one fucking minute? First time Dilbert says, fuck. And, it's, and this comic strip is literally an NFT that is being sold. It's like the rubes and the trolls are now just one. And they're right. just ruining it all. They by thinking like by acting like they're above it and yet being opportunistic, they're being Pete Buttigieg's. You know what I mean? Do people think that Dilbert comic is cool? Yo, people like, love Dilbert, dude. Isn't Scott Adams Dilbert? He's the worst. He's yeah. Um, I don't even. I don't even know. I haven't read enough Dilbert. I was a Far Side guy. I will always be a far side guy because that shit's about nature and science. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of nice. I mean, it's just a nice thing. Yeah, um, Dilbert sucks. Fuck Dilbert. All my homies hate Dilbert. <laughs> so, but then, so then, it's like one of those things where I'm like, all right. I mean, like, if you're an indie game developer, muse musician, like, okay, I I kind of see it. Um, but then there's like this section in the in the in the page that says uses and it has all these subsections and as you go through them you start you start to go holy shit this is like this is the simulation that people were worried about Mm -hmm. because it's like nfts are like really moving like they're real things and yet again nothing comes out of and then of course you go to pornography and it says some sex workers have also tokenized their pornographic work allowing for the sale of unique content for their customer though hostility from nft marketplaces towards pornographic material has presented significant drawbacks for creators so sex workers are still getting fucked in this nft marketplace situation in the first in the first real way they could actually like (laughs) truly like owning copyright their shit well i think the thing the thing that like makes me a little bit nervous Mm -hmm. um it's just about like the future and i don't i don't to be fair i don't know and understand enough to to really like make any sort of concerted point but Mm -hmm. i'm gonna say it anyway it's like the game stock thing this nft stuff it just sure seems like money is a whole lot more fake than it yep. used to be. And the the like transfer of money mm-hmm. is so like flimsily arranged where it's just like what is it what does any of it mean? If someone can put six hundred dollars down on on a GameStop stock or mm-hmm. on an NFT and make a hundred thousand dollars, like where is the where does the bottom fall out of it all? And that and and so this is the problem is that it's not that we should keep weaponizing and mobilizing like the development of capitalist systems. Mm-hmm. It's that the systems themselves should not exist in the first place. Yep. Like there are here here's here's the I think the core of economics. Like in my mm-hmm. head, it's like mm-hmm. there are enough resources on Earth for everyone to be okay. Mm-hmm. 
The reason that we don't allow that is capitalism. Mm -hmm. If we just didn't have these systems where people could get crazily rich, like runaway rich like Mm -hmm. this, it wouldn't mean that everybody would be poor. We would just replace these systems with systems like what they're talking about in Northumbria, like the Northern. Mm-hmm. Indo- that's that's why I'm so excited about this movement is because right. I've never actually seen a Western modern political party like advocate for something as simple as like community wealth building. Community mm-hmm. like like we should we should take care of each other. Mm-hmm. We should be we should be devoted to like co-op projects like locally owned businesses big money is bad and it's Mm -hmm. it's bad when it's when it's giant corporations that's probably the worst but it's also bad when it's like one person just getting like filthy rich off of a gamble you know like it doesn't make any sense this is why are we doing this nobody Mm -hmm. the people that are advocating and are having fun doing this good for you like i hope you get rich but you're not thinking about it. You're mm-hmm. not thinking about what this means for everybody else. Yeah. I don't that's, know. That's some, yo, that's some like classic shit that like right now very much especially applies to like the tech, tech bros. Yeah. It, it, you're just the new Wall Street. Like don't act like you're better than Wall Street guys because you're trying to change the world with your technology. No, you're, you just want to flip some gifts. So, yeah, if you there could, was, if that's all it took, you would just want to flip gifts. There was a um there was a a meme on Twitter that I saw that was like um the tech industry in 1995, we are going to democratize the internet. Uh and, mm-hmm. that, and it was like the tech industry in 2021, what if a picture cost $10,000? <laughs> <laughs> It's what it is, though. I mean, yeah, this is that's what it is. Well, this is okay. the thing about the internet that is it. It doesn't need to be this way, right? Like it, it shouldn't. Yeah. Well, so there's this. So, so the democratization is like part of in the sense that like any I know it's of part these of crypto. numbers. Yeah. yeah, it's like any of these numbers only mean anything because they're agreed upon, right? Right. 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 So in that sense, sure, whatever. But then I watched a video of a guy on YouTube, Joseph from LearnSketch.com is the name of his channel. He sold his first NFT last month on Foundation.app. This is a video you can watch. He was like, yo, I sold my first NFT, and I just want to tell you exactly what went down. Okay. There is... He went on this app, right? It's a marketplace app. He signed in. There's a, a minting fee. So the minting is the thing that makes it an NFT, right? And then there's a commission fee, and then there's a transaction fee to get the money out of escrow once the auction ends. So he uh, put something on for $200. $200. Yeah. You get 24 hours since the first bid is placed. He sold it for $286.44. Of course, it's like point zero something 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 yeah. Bitcoin. The minting fee was $87.53. The listing fee was $62.19. So at that point, it's already at, what, $160 about? $150? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so he sold it for two eighty six forty four. There's a fifteen percent commission fee. Oh my god. So that's forty two ninety seven out. And then the transaction fee to get the money out of escrow, thirty one dollars and twenty five cents. The total fees came out to two hundred twenty three dollars and ninety four cents. That's all going to the marketplace. The fees made up seventy eight point two percent of the whole transaction. And uh which came out to a 21.8% profit. That's insane. That's, it's. Which is less than Apple takes. Uh, the amount he got out of, the profit he made from it, is, the, is less than the commission Apple takes for selling apps. If that makes sense. Yeah. Apple takes less than he made from that. So. So then that, like, negates the whole, like, are artists getting money thing. Yeah. Oh, it's, like, three artists who got in early and are specifically, like, have a following of, like, gra- digital graphic blah, blah, blah artists and stuff have made a shit ton of money. And that's about it. Um, this is a scary one. Games. NFTs can be used to represent in-game assets, such as digital plots of land, which are controlled by the user instead of the game developer. NFTs allow assets to be traded on third-party marketplaces without permission from the game developer. Uh, In February 2021, Axie Infinity recorded a sale of $1.5 million for digital land titles in a single sale. So this is what we're talking about, folks. It's like people literally can't be housed in the richest country in the world and there are people out there who are buying fucking digital land for millions of dollars because it's some fucking fun bullshit and again all of this is leaving such a huge carbon footprint for nothing it it doesn't have to be this way it doesn't have to be that's the key to it all it just doesn't it doesn't have this is and 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 mind you, I mean this is. Um, I listened to a great, great podcast about um, uh, citations needed. Do you mm-hmm. ever listen to that podcast? It's mm-hmm. a good podcast. Um, listen to an episode they did about tipping or about um, they called mm-hmm. it the snitch the snitch economy, okay. um, and it, it was uh, about how you know, like Yelp and apps and everything has made mm. being a service worker just like the absolute worst shit in the world. Yeah. Um, and, and that tipping already was a fundamentally immoral and right. terrible concept. Um, and one of the things they said, they were like, okay, but by the way, this doesn't mean don't tip. Like while the system <laughs> exists, while the system exists, you still have to tip and you should tip well because this is like, but, and I want, I think it's important. Like, I don't think um, I personally am going to abstain from NFTs because I think they're dumb as shit. Right. But if you are out there and you want to try and make money, like speculating is not illegal. And mm-hmm. until the system is put in place, like you abstaining from it doesn't do fucking jack shit about yeah. it. So, so go ahead, like do it and it's fine. But it doesn't have to be this way. Like we can envision a different future. We do not have to imagine this horrifying, like, kitschy, 
stupid, cringy Elon Musk bullshit that we're heading down. It doesn't yeah. have to be this way. This is not how it... We don't have to live like this. Mm-hmm. We, could live, we could live somehow differently. And, and, and the thing is, the more we live like this, the faster we're not going to be able to live like this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're going to be very violently unable yeah. to live like this. What is it? Um, New, some New York put up a clock on the Wall Street Journal or something that was like uh, seven years until... It's literally impossible for us to turn back. We have less than seven years, and you're gonna fucking blow up NFTs right now. So, With and the environmental impact is already known. They're not even speculating right. on it. It's not even right. like a, we need to investigate this. It's already known, and people are like, "This is the future," as if the seven years is not just getting cut down faster by all of this. Yeah. I. I'm s- my gears are ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get it. This is some shit where it's like, go listen to Gil Scott Heron's Whitey on the Moon, like on repeat and just like sit with what that means. Right. Like it's, it's yeah. not just about white people, black people. It's about this literal, like, you know, Joseph sold his first NFT, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's sad. It's sad. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't. I would say I would. That's my like most hopeful way to send off the episode, is that like, just like you can you can imagine like we can imagine the world that we want. I mean that we can be go read honestly no honestly this is how I want to end it. Hmm. Go read the Northern Independence Party's manifesto. Mm. Go mm. read it. Go read it because it because it it might you might think it's silly. You might think it's kind of like dreamy, and and here, look, they formed it in October of last year. They might, they might, ne- it might never get started. It might be a joke from you know from when it started until it crashes and burns. Um, they might get called anti-Semites like everyone on the left in Britain does, and right. like, it just ends. Um, but go read it because because they offer a vision for the future, and that's mm-hmm. exciting. And then start to think about what you want to see in the future. Like, what do you want? I mean, yeah. both personally, but also, like, for your community, for your politics, for the world. What do you want mm-hmm. to see? I mean, I think every single one of our listeners doesn't want to see the world end in climate apocalypse. No. I'm pretty sure that that's probably the case. So, like, let's think about this. Like, yeah. let's figure out the, what, it, what it takes on this and and no hey no one's gonna no one's gonna out you on this but you know think for yourself where on the spectrum between Buttigieg and Brown you are yeah and just like think about it and then decide how okay you are with it and you don't have to beat yourself up if you're leaning towards the Buttigieg side of things most of us are closer to Buttigieg than we are John Brown yeah I mean most of us lack any courage are the hosts of this podcast included so it's like the the vision of the future takes like true sacrifice and true mm-hmm. will and we're not there yet but like that's not to say that we can't be well, i do here's here's my thing is my intent is to go out like a motherfucking john brown <laughs> at some point in my life that's how i'm, I'm yeah i agree yeah yeah, yeah. i want to be like yo i know what i did was right if you have to kill me fucking kill me but i'm not gonna die you can yeah. kill me, but I won't die, you know? The blood of my children. Yeah. 
I am a wiki page. You can't kill me. <laughs> so, hell yeah. Well, hey, thank you all for getting to the end of this episode. It was yeah. a fun one. <laughs> it was uh, a fun one. I hope you feel inspired, a little bit mad, mm-hmm. uh, and ready to change the world. Let's do it. Stay angry. It. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. Um, but if you want to get a hold of us, we're on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and also, you can email us uh, at Friendship Simulator at gmail.com. Yeah. And you know what? Keep it sleazy. Keep it sleazy. Adios. Adios, folks. Well